Welcome back. We're going to talk about Sophocles' Antigone today. So it, too, is a Greek tragedy, an Athenian tragedy, to be more specific, that was first performed circa. Remember that circa means around, so if you see the so-called at symbol or C in front of a date, uh, you know that we have a general approximation of that date, but we don't know the date specifically. But we think it was first performed around 442 BCE, and as you know, it was only 1,352 lines, about 200 lines fewer than Oedipus Tyrannus, about 14,000 fewer than the Iliad. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, Antigone is a tragedy, as you know, that was first written by Sophocles. I have some art up there, too, to just spice up the slides a little bit. Could do a little bit more art in the future. As we know, it was written around 442 BCE. All right, something interesting here is that chronologically speaking, in the Theban cycle, the Antigone comes last. Oedipus the king first lays out Oedipus finding out horrifically that he has lain with his mother and killed his father and brought plague upon Athens. Oedipus, or excuse me, Thebes, not Athens. Oedipus, the, uh, it was performed in Athens. Uh, Oedipus at Colonus um, prefigures the death of Oedipus, where he then curses Antiochus and Polynices to kill each other because of, and again, I'm forgetting exactly the specific reason, there is something that they do regarding his death that is inappropriate, that makes him want to curse his children. Whether that's appropriate or not, perhaps we will have to read that text together at some future date. In any case, Antigone takes place after the uh, after Aeschylus's um, The Seven Against Thebes, uh, which I think I have up there. Yes, I do. Very good. And so we've missed quite a bit. We missed quite a bit. This is the wrapping it up sort of play, though it was the one that was first performed. Very interesting. All right, and so it deals, as we know, with, the, with Antigone's burial of her brother Polynices, rather than her brother Ateocles. Recall that Ateocles had defended the city, or so says Creon, and so Ateocles was buried as a hero, whereas Polynices, as a man who went and acquired an army in order to fight against Thebes, is branded a traitor, and as traitor is not given uh, citizenship or it's not given the rights of citizens to be buried honorably and so he must become a feast for dogs um, and birds and remember also the first seven lines of Homer's Iliad where that is referenced as well I'm looking around for my Iliad here too that is considered the ultimate horror for a hero to be eaten by dogs after their death and so if I open up my Iliad here I look at the first seven lines ah yes Seeing goddess, the anger of Peleus' son Achilles and its devastation, which put pains thousandfold upon the Achaeans, hurled in their multitudes to the house of Hades, strong souls of heroes, but gave their bodies to be the delicate feasting of dogs, of all birds. And the will of Zeus was accomplished since that time when first there stood in the vision of conflict to trace the son, the lord of men, and brilliant Achilles. So, to be eaten by a dog after death is one of the great horrors, potential horrors, of the Greek mind. Good, 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 good. And so, as we know, uh, this will be Antigone acting in defiance of the laws of Creon. And so one of the major issues that will be brought up here is, where is your first responsibility? This is like one of the early Platonic dialogues. I think it's the Credo. I always forget exactly specifically which one it is. Um, where is your responsibility first to your family slash the eternal laws of the gods? Or is it to your political structure and your leaders? And should you still keep your word or your commitments to your polity 
or your community if they go against the laws of the gods. Because who is it indeed for the Greeks who gave justification and authority to the laws of man? The gods. Who honors the Xenia? Who upholds the Xenia for the Greeks? Which god? Zeus. Right. So if you find a king who is trying to trespass upon the laws of the gods by making the mortals follow laws which are against the laws of the gods, what should you do? And what is the right thing to do? And if you do the right thing, will you be punished on earth for it? That will be a major theme that we keep talking about all through next year as well. All right, let's keep moving. So some of the background. As I was telling you, the Antigone begins right after the Theban War has ended. Antiochus and Polynices, two brothers, sons of Oedipus, have struck each other down. They are both dead. However, they are both very much on a physical and an intangible. They are, they are on different sides of a physical and an intangible wall. Ateocles, of course, was inside of Thebes, very much like Meliagros, or say Hector, whereas Polynices was on the outside. And uh, something interesting about that, just to add an additional wrinkle to your analysis of this situation, what is just and what is unjust, is that it, had supposed, it was supposed to be the case that Ateocles was going to give up his crown to his brother Polynices, that is what his father had prescribed before he died. Ateocles decided, no, that's not how it's going to be. And so that's why Polynices left Thebes, acquired a new army, and came back to destroy his brother. Not necessarily to destroy Thebes itself, though obviously Ateocles was using the army of Thebes against Polynices. And so I want you to be attentive when we listen to the play today. To, excuse me, to the arguments that Creon makes for why he thinks Polynices should be punished. He's going to make the claim that he thinks that Polynices was going to come in and make slaves of the Thebans and lead away their women and children. And whether that's actually what Polynices intended to do, I think is highly questionable because obviously he just wanted to what the Thebans? He wanted to rule them, to be their king and probably to be a good king. Um, that said, he, he never got the opportunity. And so just as I've been saying, as you know, Creon is now the new ruler of Thebes. He was the ruler at the end of Oedipus the king. He's now again the ruler after having an interim not being ruler um, in the Antigone because he was made sort of ward while Ateocles and Polynices were growing up. When they grew up, the crown was given to Ateocles to hold for Polynices. Ateocles then kept the crown, did not give it to Polynices. Polynices came back to fight. They killed each other. Now who's the king again? Creon. He just keeps getting the crown right back to him. But he's very much changed in the Antigone, I think you'll note, from in Oedipus. He's gone from sort of a sweet old man who doesn't want to be king to a very much an authoritarian tyrant. He'll actually, I think, respond, remind you a bit of like a negative great Oedipus. And he will be portrayed as a great man. In fact, very much like a fascist in this particular play that we're going to watch where uh, you'll see full tapestries with his face on them. Almost like he's a what? Like a god, right? Like a giant idol above you. That's exactly right. Exactly right. All right, very good, very good, very good. And so, like I said, this Creon has declared that Eteocles is a traitor. He will not receive, or rather, Polynices is a traitor. 
He and he will be disgraced. His body will be disgraced by being left out to be eaten by dogs and birds, which any Greek hero would have hated because remember you have to be buried in an appropriate way to have a cult of the hero built around you in order to have your reputation be immortalized. You need to be buried. So basically, this is Polynices not just physically dying, but Creon's attempt at killing his name and his reputation as well. How many people here care about their reputations? Everybody? All right. Well, you're still alive, so you can still what with your reputation? Control it. Change it. Improve it. Well, after you're dead, what can you do to help your present your reputation? Nothing. Nothing. Right. So somebody disparaging you when you're already dead is the one of the worst, it's about the worst of the worst thing that the Greeks could imagine. <coughs> All right, good. So the play itself. As the play begins, and we're going to see this today, Antigone vows to bury her brother Polynices' body in direct contravention of Creon's edict. So we know that they're going to come, there's going to be a major conflict between her and Creon. We, I think of those are lines 470 to 530, where we're really going to see them go at it. The initial scene is her speaking to Ismene. Ismene, not as courageous as Antigone. Far more within the laws of, uh, far more constrained by the laws of the land. She will say, well, Creon is king, and as king, he has told us not to bury the body, and since he has said that, we should not do that because that would be unlawful and then we would die. Antigone will think that she is a coward and will also think that she has turned her back on her brother. They have very different values. If this were, like, say, a Lincoln-Douglas debate, I would say that one values state power above all else, whereas one, what does Antigone's value seem to be? It's not state power. She doesn't care what Creon has to say. Family, Family that's one way to look at it. That's one correct way to look at it, I would say. What's another thing that she might value even over human state power? The laws of the gods, that's right. That's right, she's really setting things up for political disruption. And in fact, that's something we take very seriously as Americans. Because is it the case that we once had laws prescribed to us that we refused to follow that led to us declaring our independence and then fighting for it? Does anybody know exactly what the law was? Or at least what the expression was that we used? Yes? There's a tax on tea and we were not allowed to have a representative and the British, I think, small council, I'd have to look that up. And um, because we were denied that representation, we said the very famous quote. Who knows that very famous quote? It rhymes. Give me liberty or give me death. That's not a bad one. Yes, but we said no taxation without representation. See how it just sticks in your mind? If you're going to go into politics, you need to say or advertising. need Or even pop singing. You need to say things that stick in people's mind. Call me. Maybe. Yes. All right. In any case, Creon, he will be supported by a chorus of town elders. And in fact, it'll look like British Parliament in this particular uh, uh, representation that we're going to have. I, I want you to notice, though, how well they speak. Their diction is fantastic. They vocalize with great power. I'd say each and every one of them speaks better than I do, which I'm very impressed by. Um, they also really prepare for what it is they have to say. Uh, you know, they train to say the exact same thing over and over. That said, they do it very well, and you can be the judge of that. And so, he repeats his edict. He will enter uh, and repeat to us that Polynices is a traitor, and as a traitor, he will be treated as a traitor, and that this is my unilateral decree as king, and now as the new king, everything I say will be followed. 
And especially the first things I say will be followed as I root my power. A sentry will then enter. The sentry is a guard, somebody who is supposed to use his senses. And uh, something interesting about him, just to note, is I want you to notice that he sort of introduces something of a comic element into this play. He, uh, in the original Greek, I'm told, I don't read it as well as many others do, his language is sort of fumbling. It's very common. It's a little bit vulgar. It's not beautiful poetry like so many of Sophocles' characters speak. And when he's uh, represented, I think you'll see him as something of a buffoon. And many commentators have really wondered at this. It's, it seems like a, uh, it's like the hair that sticks up in the back of your gelled hair. It's something that sticks out. It's weird. It's strange. We wonder why it exists. Because obviously Sophocles did this intentionally. But why does he have this weird, foolish sort of character um, in parallel or foiling in contrast to Creon? Something that uh, next year, if you read King Lear, you'll see that King Lear is a very tragic character, but he will be accompanied by a fool, a clown, the entire time, who will say some audacious things. Why is it that when you find a noble character like an Achilleus, you often also find a foolish character like a Thersides, exactly right, exactly right. All right, so Creon will be furious at the willful disobedience that he finds out. So after the sentry comes in and says that the body of Polynices has been covered, sprinkled with dust, which effectively means buried, then uh, Creon will threaten him and say, oh, well, you know, it was probably you or you were in collusion with this or that person. Reminds us a lot of who? Saying that I think you were in collusion with somebody else, yes? Oedipus the king, and in fact you'll see a lot of connections I think between Creon and Oedipus the king, especially by the end of this play, especially at the end of this play. Well, he'll tell the sentry, I think it was you or some people that you allowed to do this, and so you better go find, you better go find who did this, or your head is going to be the head on the chopping block. Well, the sentry will enter very quickly after this. You will recall that with plays, you need a good sense of motion. You need to be moving forward. He'll come back. He'll have Antigone, and it will turn out to be the case that Antigone, uh, the niece of Creon, who was raised by Creon, has in fact directly acted against him, contravened his orders, as I said earlier. Something interesting to add to that is that Creon will increase the stakes for Antigone. Not only will they have a battle of wills, but he will also indict Ismene, even though she had absolutely nothing to do with the burial in the first part. Though I guess you could say that what she could have done was to have outed or reported on Antigone. And so even in our legal system, if you harbor information about a fugitive and do not share it, you can be uh, charged with obstruction of justice. That said, that's not Creon's reasoning. Yes? What happens if you unbury a body? If you, like, take it back out and let it get eaten, does it count for the gods as having been buried in the first place? That's an interesting question. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that that itself, dis you are then yourself trespassing on the holy burial of somebody. I think the situation has been changed, and you are now, um, and I would have to look this up, but I, I'm fairly certain that you have been, sort of in an inhospitable way, um, you have been, how do I want to put this? If you unbury a body, you have been broken the sacred law to leave the dead at rest. 
and are uh, essentially doing something that might bring a curse about on you, something like a plague, like what those in Oedipus dealt with? That's a good question. I'll have to think about that more, but I don't, I'm sure that you do not lose uh, your status as buried hero if your, if your body gets dug up. Though, you know, that's a big question. People still ask this in archaeology, like, should we be digging around in Egyptian tombs and things like that? Because those are obviously the giant coffins of dead people, and even though we want to learn more about them as a people, we are sort of trespassing on their holy rights, and is that ethical and allowed? So, uh, that's a big question. Well worth asking, yes. Is dogs from like, people? I don't know. I'm sure dogs are very good at digging up bones. I don't know they, generally you want to make the, uh, generally we make, at least, do you, any of you know how deeply we bury people? Six feet six inches. Very good. And uh, the the idea is you want to you want to bury people low enough to where they can't be dug up. That said, if you go to New Orleans, which is below sea level, uh, what sometimes happens when it floods is the bodies that aren't put in tombs. Most of them are put in tombs. They then float to the top of the water, and if there are crocodiles swimming around, just like after Hurricane Katrina, well then you're food not just for dogs but for crocodiles and snakes as well. Huh. In any case. In any case, all right, let's just keep moving forward. This is about the last slide I think we're going to get to today, just because I really want to set up these scenes for you, and uh, we'll get, so I'll be able to finish this on Wednesday. And so, Creon's son, so after Antigone and Ismene are displayed, Antigone does not want Ismene to be punished, not because she loves Ismene in this moment, but precisely because Ismene has shown her colors, has shown that she cares more about the rules, about the political state than even her own brother. Antigone does not want to die alongside her. She does not want her to be held in the same esteem and the same honor as herself because she has not made the same choices as Antigone. And so we meet this new character and we find out that Creon has a son. In fact, something you should know and something you should know about Creon's feelings towards his family is that he had another son too named Megarius. This son is named Hymen. How Megarius ended was he was sacrificed by Creon in order to give victory to the Thebans. And so Creon, like Agamemnon, is willing to sacrifice family for political power, for political stability. That said, his only remaining son is betrothed to who else? Antigone. And though Hymen will make the claim that he's on the side of Creon, their conversation will devolve at some point with ending with Hymen saying, you will never see me again. What is that a threat of Hymen doing? There are two possible outcomes. Yes. Killing himself or exiling himself forever. Either way, you don't get to see your son anymore. And so Creon has to make a decision. Is he going to stick by his unjust edict that nobody in his town agrees with him on and try and punish Antigone for something anybody would do at the expense of Antigone's life, who he raised essentially as a daughter, his son's life, Hymen, what will he, what stakes is he willing to pay to maintain his ultimate authoritarian power? Well, we will soon see that and we will talk about that some on Wednesday.